Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Picking Up Rubber. I am your host, Justin Russo, and today we are reviewing the eighth race of the 2022 Formula One World Championship, the Canadian Grand Prix. Another dominant win by Max Verstappen. A lot happened behind him. There's a lot to get into in this race. And right before we jump into it, just be sure, check out my socials. They're plugged right down there. A couple of the links, Instagram, Twitter, Twitch. Active on all of them. Trying to be active on all of them at the very least. So hit me up there. Talk some F1 and uh, connect with me there. And I'd love to chat. So moving on. Eighth race. Canadian Grand Prix. Max Verstappen picks up his sixth win of the season. Again, just dominant performance by him. Starts the race in first. There was some questions because Fernando Alonso was starting in second. Was Alonso going to die bomb him? What were we going to see? Turned out not to be the case. Max gets a great start off the line. Right into turn one. Has the lead. And just kind of checks out. Alonso holding up signs a little bit in third place there for a little while. Max is able to build a decent lead. You know, he gets four or five seconds up. Ends up being on a different tire strategy than Carlos signs behind him because of a virtual safety car during the race. So that kind of mixed things up a little bit. It made it so the first couple of stints in the race weren't really that interesting. Max kind of really far ahead of Carlos Sainz. You can see on Carlos's second stint where he had fresher tires, he was actually picking up the pace and catching Max ever so slightly. It wasn't going to be enough until we got the safety car. Yuki Sonoda going off in turn one. I think he was fresh out of the pits, just trying to get some temperature in the tires and just lost the car. So Yuki Sonoda goes off, safety car, bunches the entire field up, and now we have a showdown to the end. Max Verstappen, Carlos Sainz, Mono a mono to the end, and it was an amazing battle. It almost felt like the battle in Saudi Arabia, maybe less back and forth passing, but it was that close where you were just waiting for somebody to make a mistake or signs to finally get ahead, and it just never happened. Signs was chasing him down 10, 15 laps at the end of the race. Max Verstappen was just so cool, so cool at the end of the race. Didn't make any mistakes. Yeah, he had the faster car. It was really hard to overtake that Red Bull on the straights. Ferrari may not have had the straight line speed they needed. But he was just excellent, and, and he really shows his composure under pressure. You saw it last year at the Circuit of the Americas as well, uh, the race I actually attended. He was just so cool under pressure, and, and in that race, Lewis was catching him, and every lap, you could see him getting closer and closer in his mirrors. It didn't matter. He was just running his race, running it to perfection, and just a great race by Max Verstappen. Same thing here. Now, Carlos did have a couple of chances. Most notably, second to last lap, he was three or four tenths closer than... He had been previously, but he made a mistake at the hairpin. Just didn't get good traction off the hairpin. That was really the issue for Ferrari all day between Sainz and Leclerc. was getting traction off of that hairpin. You saw it with Leclerc. He wasn't able, he was starting from last place, wasn't really able to fight through the field. And until he got some new tires, the safety car helped. He was finally able to get up and do some really good point scoring positions. But he had a tough time going. So did Carlos Sainz. And it was a little bit rough day for, for Ferrari in terms of passing. So that helped. Red Bull's case out, but let's just go team by team here. I got all 10 teams. I got some notes on the teams. That was some of the general stuff and just stuff I wanted to blurt out at the top there, but let's start with Red Bull. So I mentioned Max Verstappen obviously he wins the race, dominates. Just another great performance by him all weekend. Puts the car on pole in the wet. Just, I mean, what can you say about him? He's racing at the peak of his powers, it feels like right now. It feels like what we saw with Lewis Hamilton the past couple years, but he is just he's going to be very tough to beat in this championship. I know there's a long way to go. Leclerc, Perez are going to have something to say. I know he's ahead by a lot of points. It's a long championship. He he's I don't I don't think personally he's going to run away with it just because I think the Ferrari is really close to the Red Bull, if not better than the Red Bull in terms of pure pace, maybe not for reliability, but 
I think the Ferrari is close enough that they're going to keep this thing interesting until late summer, maybe early fall at the very least, hopefully for our sake to towards the end of the season, like we had last season with Max and Lewis. But I think there is a chance for those two guys, Perez and Leclerc to catch Max. But man, at this point, it, it just, he is just so cool on the track. He, he puts in solid performance after solid performance. He's made a couple of mistakes this year. He hasn't been perfect. You know, he didn't get the win in Monaco. You know, he didn't qualify perfectly, obviously because of the crash as well. But there's been times where Checo's looked like the better driver on a Saturday and, and been able to put himself in a better position for the race. The clerk has had races where he's just straight up dominated. But all in all, I think you're seeing that when Max has a car able to finish the race, he is most likely going to win that race. And it's really incredible. Now, Red Bull, six wins off the bounce, five for Verstappen, one for Checo and Monaco. This is their longest win streak since Sebastian Vettel won nine in a row to end the 2013 season. Red Bull looking at the they're just looking amazing right now. And that car has so little drag that it's just so hard to pass on the straight. And yeah, you can keep close to it in the, in the slow corners, but when it matters, when you need the DRS, you need to pass, it just becomes so hard to get by. And we're going to talk about in a minute Ferrari's solution, potential solution to that problem. But yeah, moving on from Max to Checo, man, just absolute opposite end of the spectrum for Checo. Has the off in qualifying in Q2. Starts P, I think, 13 and ended up being because of couple of penalties here and there but man Checo just just a rough weekend for him it would have been nice to have at least seen him in Q3 up in the front with Max but it just wasn't meant to be and it might have hurt a little more even when his car finally did die if he ended up losing on a strong position like that so maybe it lessens the blow a bit that he was already in the back of the field and he sustained that issue but nonetheless you want to see better Obviously, just tough luck for Checo. I mean, Max has had it this season. Charles has had it this season. Carlos had it this season. Everyone in the top teams has had issues with reliability. And it was just Checo's weekend. And it all kind of just compounded with that issue in qualifying. Turns out he has an issue in the race as well. So, bad weekend by Checo. He'll look to bounce back next time out in Silverstone. But he's still very much in this thing. He can get past this. He is finally on top of that Red Bull car. I think he... It's going to be hard to equal Max every weekend, but... I think he has the potential on certain weekends to, to match Max and, and kind of stay in that fight. So I'm really excited to see what he can do moving forward. Put this weekend behind him. It's reliability issues, you know, is what it is. Move forward. So we go from Red Bull. We move to Ferrari. Now, we knew Charles Leclerc was starting from the back. He had the engine penalty. He was also running a lower downforce rear wing that Ferrari had brought to Canada. And now they'd chosen Leclerc to run it because they didn't want to risk Carlos Sainz crashing out and qualifying and having to essentially damage the progress or the information that they would have gotten because he would have had to start from the pit lane with that rear wing. So they said, you know what, Leclerc's not going to really qualify or participate much in Q2, Q3. Let's put the rear wing on the car, have him fight from the back, and see what he can do. And it, it still looked like he was struggling a little bit. Now, you know, who knows what that's up to for Ferrari. Is that tires? Is that, you know, their traction out of the hairpin was really bad. But on the straight line speed... That was supposed to be the solution. They had the lower downforce rear wing, lower drag, excuse me, as well. And that was supposed to be the solution. That was supposed to be the thing that was going to help them out and help Charles fight to the field. Now, both of the drivers are getting that rear, rear wing spec in Silverstone. They're both going to have that one. So it's going to be interesting to see how much that benefits them both in Silverstone. Obviously, a couple long straights there, a couple opportunities to pass. Hangar straight, Wellington straight down into those slower, um, you know, hard braking zones. So it'll be interesting to see how much they can do there. 
would have been nice maybe if Carlos could have had that. Just the way the race ended up, he was in P2. Might have helped him get past Max. It would have been interesting to see if he did have that lower downforce rear wing and that that lower drag rear wing that if he was able to get past Max. We'll never know. But, yeah. I mean, and speaking of Carlos, man, did everything he could. I mean, you could tell after the after the race where... You know, I, I thought back to Monza 2020 where he was with McLaren and he was one lap away, essentially, from passing Pierre Gasly for the win in that race. And, you know, he had told his race engineer at the time, oh, you know, he was so dejected. One more lap, one more lap. I want this win, Tom. You know, the the classic quote that he had. This one, he just seemed like he was just so he had given everything. That was basically what he had felt like is that he's like, man, I, I gave it my all. I couldn't have done anything else to get past Max. And I believe him. You know, I think he. It would have been nice to see if he could have got a good exit out of that hairpin on the second to last lap, but you could tell the straight line speed deficit was just too much in the end. He couldn't really get past Max, and he tried everything. And those last few laps, he had a stake, especially on the last lap going into the hairpin. I think he was just really sending it, and you can't blame him. I don't even know if he had DRS on that last lap, but yeah, man, he tried everything. And I saw a lot of comments on F1 Twitter being like, you know, X, Y, and Z, all these drivers would have got past Max if they were in the car. Carlos is just not that good. They re-signed him too early, and I'm just like, I, I don't get it. I, I thought he did just fine. I mean, look at Charles Leclerc. It's not like Charles Leclerc was blowing past people. He couldn't get past Esteban Ocon in the Alpine. He was stuck behind him for 10, 15 laps before he had to box. It's not like that Ferrari was a rocket ship and passing everything in sight. Yeah, it got past the cars that were lower in the field, but once it got to some of those midfield cars, it was really struggling. And First of all, you know, second of all, I should say, let's not discount the Red Bull. The Red Bull was very hard to pass all weekend. That, I mean, it is so low drag that even with the DRS, that car was so fast in the straights. Max was, I'm sure, harvesting the ERS as much as he could to give himself energy deployment on that back straight, especially. And and, and it's not like that car is easy to pass and you can blow by him. And talk about the guy driving the car, Max Verstappen, who kept his cool the entire time. I don't know. If he made a single mistake in those last 10 to 15 laps and Carlos Sainz was chasing him down, he was just razor-sharp focus. He put in qualifying laps, essentially, at those last 10 to 15 laps. He was running the perfect ending that he could to keep Carlos Sainz away. So let's not act like he was struggling to get past Nicholas Latifi for P16. He was fighting Max Verstappen, the reigning world champion, in the lowest drag car in the grid, whether you want to say it's the fastest car or not. The Ferrari you know, might be. Who knows? The hardest car to pass, essentially, on the straights has the lowest drag. He, it, It's not an easy task. And I understand Carlos has had a rough start to the season, but we got to relax a little bit and just realize that, hey, this guy's still a quality driver. He's at Ferrari for a reason. He's He wasn't just gifted this seat out of nowhere. He's a good driver. He put it to Charles Leclerc last year and say what you want about luck and points and all that. He was solid for Ferrari last year. I think P4 in the championship. So just excellent. From from Max Verstappen. I mean, what more can you do? The dude's perfect. Some days, guys are just perfect, and you don't have anything. You don't have anything for him. I mean, compared to other sports, LeBron James and Tom Brady, and Steph Curry. We just saw if you're an NBA fan in the NBA Finals. Some days, guys just have it, and you can be another great player. You can be another great driver, and no matter what you do, they're just going to come out on top because there are special people in sports, and Max Verstappen is one of those special people. He's one of the most talented F1 drivers of all time. Yeah, he doesn't have the accolades yet. You know, he's probably going to get there. But in terms of pure talent, he's one of the most talented drivers we've seen in the last decade and a half at the very least. So he's not some slouch that he was trying to get past. I don't buy all this Carlos signs as terrible and 
Hamilton and Leclerc and everyone would have got past him. Leclerc couldn't get past an Alpine. So what makes you think he would have got past Max Verstappen? So cool it a little bit on the Carlos Sainz slander, I think. Let the guy run. Yeah, he's had some bad luck, but he's slowly but surely building some good results in between or, you know, kind of sandwiching that Azerbaijan mechanical issue. He's had two P2s. I think the win's going to come for him. I think he's finally going to start getting on getting on top of that Ferrari, excuse me, and he's going to start consistently fighting. And, and that's what they need Ferrari. They need him to be consistently in the battle with Perez, Leclerc, and Verstappen because he hasn't been there, whether it's from a qualifying accident or an accident on the first lap of the race. He just has not been there, and that's what they need. If they want to get close in the Constructors' Championship and if they want to help Leclerc out in the Drivers' Championship, and you know maybe Sainz can even put a foot in the door there. So... A lot to talk about on Ferrari, obviously. Let's see how that rear wing goes in Silverstone. Really interested. Obviously, that's a really high-speed track. So you wonder how, through kind of sections like Maggots and Beckett's, through Cops, if that downforce is really going to hurt, or if they've saved enough downforce. It's probably the highest downforce car on the grid overall. If they've saved enough downforce that they'll still be able to be fast through those fast corners but have a little extra on the straights. So really interesting to see there. Moving on, Mercedes. Great weekend by Mercedes. Awesome weekend. Went from Lewis Hamilton. Oh, hit my mic there. Lewis Hamilton on Friday saying that the car is terrible and it's undrivable and he can't do this to a P3 for him and a P4 for George Russell, who, again, another top five for George Russell. He's been in the top five every race in this season. I'm going to say it every week, but I mean, he's just, and you know, the F1, you know, feeds pointed out Mr. Consistency. That's what he is. He, look, I don't care what kind of car you have. He, he's putting... He's doing exactly what he needs to do. He's putting the car exactly where it needs to be. He's picking up the pieces every week when Ferrari and Red Bull have some issues. And he's just there. He's just there on Saturday. He's there on Sunday. And he he's just, he's been really consistent. And you got to love it. Yeah, he had a little luck with some of the VSCs and, and the safety car at the end. But hey, I mean, he's there. If he wasn't running as fast as he was, the luck would have only got him P6, P7. But he was there. Able to pick up that P4. Great race by him. And Lewis Hamilton, nice to see him back on the podium, of course. It's been a long road for Lewis Hamilton this season to get to this point, man. I mean, he hasn't had the consistency that George Russell has had. He's struggled to consistently find his feet under the car in, on pure pace in qualifying and over the race pace in on the Sundays. So good to see him back on the podium. Yeah, there's no Perez. There's no Leclerc. I know people want to temper the expectations. But again, you have to be there to pick up the pieces when other teams fail. And they were there. They had the car. It was reliable. It finished the race. I think Mercedes at this point are, they're definitely a step above everybody else in the midfield. They're just kind of running their own race out there. You know, sometimes they'll pick up a P3, P4, but I don't think yet that they're fast enough to compete with Ferrari and Red Bull. And they're also not really slow enough to be down in the dumps with McLaren, AlphaTauri, Alfa Romeo consistently. At least consistently. Some Some weeks we saw... Azerbaijan, you know, the Alpines are really strong. The Alphatars are really strong. Some weeks they'll they'll be closer, but I think generally you're going to see the Mercedes ahead of those cars. And they also have an upgrade coming. They're supposed to have a big upgrade coming for Silverstone. That's going to be really interesting to see too because this this kind of been touted as a pretty sizable upgrade. And, you know, they're probably just under a second off of the Ferrari and Red Bull pace that they need to be. See how close they can get, you know, I, I would love to see Mercedes truly enter this title fight like I and a lot of people have kind of hoped for. And, you know, look, yeah, it sucks. Mercedes has dominated the last eight years. Yeah, that's not fun. We don't want one team to dominate. But it's nice to see 
more than one team in the in the fight. Nothing I would love more. You know, I mean, what would be better than thinking, oh, one of these four cars could get pole position on Saturday? Well, let's throw George Russell and Lewis Hamilton into the mix. Mr. Saturday and the seven-time world championship champion in Lewis Hamilton. Throw those guys in the mix. You never know what's going to happen on a Saturday. And again, their Sunday performances speak for themselves. Of course, Lewis, you know, you don't have to say anything about him. But yeah, I would love to see them get back into the fight. I, another team like Ferrari, let's see where these upgrades go in Silverstone. Really interested. And we'll see if they can finally start getting up to those top two teams. And as we round out the top three teams, let's move to McLaren, another team looking for an upgrade and potentially getting an upgrade in Silverstone. They, oh man, a P11 for Daniel Ricciardo, P15 for Lando Norris. Daniel Ricciardo stuck in that DRS train around that, like, you know, 9th, 10th, 11th kind of area. Uh, he just really couldn't get anything going. The straight line speed of that McLaren, as we saw last time in, out in Azerbaijan, just not good enough to make any significant passes and, and passes that they need in the race to move up. Just a struggle pretty much all weekend for them. Daniel Ricciardo, P9 in qualifying. Honestly, probably, again, only P9 because of the struggles of Perez and Leclerc, so take it with a little grain of salt. Lando Norris with the issue in qualifying and then just kind of stuck back there in the race and had some more issues in the race. Just overall bad weekend for them. And shout out to, I believe, Lyra. It is Lyra. I hope I'm pronouncing your name right there on Twitter. I asked for some questions for this podcast, and they threw out, you know, what is going to be the damage for McLaren? Now, how much trouble are they going to be in in the high speed in a lot of these tracks because of their straight line speed issues. And, you know, I think definitely if it's going to be to the extent that we saw in Baku, they're going to be in a lot of trouble because where do you overtake on the track? You overtake on the straights. And if you can't get enough horsepower, if you can't get enough speed, even with the DRS, if you can't get enough on the straight line or on the straightaways, you're not going to be able to do anything. You could say with the, cars you want as much as you can but at the end of the day you're just not going to be able to overtake and I think that's what we saw a little with Daniel Ricciardo yeah McLaren's fourth in the championship and you think they could get past some of those guys like Joe Guan Yu and I think you know even Yuki Sonoda was running back there some of those guys Lance Stroll and and he just couldn't you know he was kind of trading places a little bit with him but just could never get anything going and again another team that's looking for an upgrade in Silverstone I'm really interested to see what they bring Lando Norris has talked a lot about it's just such a draggy car, and that's evident from what we've seen with the, you know, way that they're unable to have straight line speed. They have that Mercedes engine. I don't think a Mercedes engine, it's no secret, it's probably not the strongest engine on the grid, maybe one of the weaker engines on the grid this year, just because of the gains that Red Bull and Ferrari have made. But Mercedes, you know, they have that zero drag concept. Maybe that's for a reason, recognizing how the engine is performing, you know, but McLaren just have not been able to reducing the drag in the car enough and they're really struggling with that hopefully they get that sorted out because you know we want to see mclaren in the fight too that's the dream right you want to see everybody in the fight you don't want to see everyone struggling and even if it's not consistently every week you want to see daniel ricardo and lando norris i I think they were in a good spot last year where they pick up podiums of course daniel picks up the win and monza you know kind of like the the position mercedes are in now where you're just picking up the pieces yeah you're you're not up top you're not going to win every race there's some dominant guys up there with some dominant cars, but if there's a P3 or P4 to be had, go up and get it. You know, you have the car to be able to pass and go up and get it, and that's what we want to see from McLaren. We want to see them get back to that step that they were last year, and obviously a long way to go, but I, I think it's going to be fun to watch their progress at the very least and see where they can make it. So moving on from McLaren, go to Alpine. Another solid result for the Alpine boys. Esteban Ocon, P12 
P6, I believe. And Fernando Alonso, P9, after the penalty, was running P7. Swerved on the last lap to keep Bottas behind. And, of course, Fernando ended up having an engine issue in the second half of the race, which is why he dropped back so much. He still wanted to get Bastet to Banak on, but team orders kind of kept him back there and forced him to weave around to keep Bottas behind. Wasn't able to do it. Or I think he was able to do it, obviously, because he weaved. But at the end of the day, they, he gave him that five-second penalty. He finishes P9. A little bit disappointing after the P2 and qualifying. Was hoping for probably a P5 or P6, and it sounded like he was mostly racing the Mercedes, especially Lewis Hamilton in that race, who ended up finishing P3. So maybe a little missed opportunity there for Alonso. Ocon, another solid result, though. Moved up a couple of places from where he qualified, or maybe one place from where he qualified, but still. Alpine are just kind of hanging around there. They're, they're picking up good points every weekend. They're, you know, maybe not having the highs that the McLaren team has had with the Lando Norris podium and some of the high positions they finished in, but Alpine's right there. They're within striking distance if they get a good weekend to be right there P4 in the Constructors' Championship. And, and both guys are racing really well right now. I think they're kind of one of the more under-the-radar teams because... Seems like every week they're just P7, P8, P6, P7. You know, they're just kind of right there. They're not doing anything special at the moment, but they have a good enough car with a lot of straight line speed to keep them ahead and reduce their vulnerability to getting past. So I think that's the huge thing for them. And yeah, they're just kind of they're just kind of chilling at the moment. They're just kind of chilling. They're they're doing good. So moving on, Alfa Romeo, and a great weekend for those guys. I mean, talk about needing a good result. Joe Guan Yu goes out of the race last week in Azerbaijan. He finishes P8. More points for him. He had points back in Bahrain. Hasn't had any points. He had three DNFs, I believe, in four races at one point. So he's been incredibly unlucky. P8 for him. Had a great race. and was kind of also one of those guys stuck in the DRS train. Was more towards the front of it, though, and was able to still make some good overtakes. Had a really good overtake on Sebastian Vettel into turn one. And he was always in the mix there. You know, he had a great race. Was putting in good lap after good lap. Kind of staying with those guys. And... Valtteri Bottas, P7. Another great race by him. Solid veteran. I mean, what, you know, what more can you say about him? Even alluded to, I believe, saying that, hey, in a couple years, you know, the goal is to win with Alfa Romeo. We want to win races. So he really believes in that team, which is really good because it seemed like he had a lot of issues at Mercedes in terms of their belief in him and his belief in them. So it's good to see that cohesive relationship really forming with them. He seems to be in a much better headspace with a lot less pressure on him. He obviously knows Fred Vasseur from his days in junior formula, and that relationship has been really helpful and good for him. So Alfa Romeo looking good. Hopefully they can keep building on this momentum because Joe Wanyu was in the points, and like I said, Otto's Bison last week, and they would have had two cars in the podium, in the podium, in the points, but they had the mechanical failure. So potentially looking at two double points finishes in a row without that, uh, you know, obviously mechanical issues are huge issues, and you can't just gloss over that, but... Alfa Romeo's looking really good, and compared to where they were the last couple years, I think they're making some nice steps. They're fighting for that you know, P5, P6 in the constructors. They're up there with a lot of those uh, all those cars, and they're doing great. So, great great job by Alfa Romeo there. Alfa Tari, talk about going from one team up top and just finding another team way down in the dumps. Man, Yuki Tsunoda bringing out that safety car big crash into turn one he had been running pretty well it seemed you know he was kind of just hanging out one of those guys in that drs train too uh but man just another mistake and, and you hate to see it he, he had been driving pretty well i think this year and it's the second week in a row again for him he had the rear wing issue in azerbaijan so another no finish dnf for him pierre gasly a weekend to forget for him out in q1 
just kind of stuck back in, you know, the bottom five, bottom six, just really had nowhere to go. Couldn't, didn't have the car to fight back to the front. And yeah, I mean, just, just a bad weekend overall for AlphaTauri, hopefully. And again, you know, they were really good in Azerbaijan, but just thing kind of fell apart this week. So it seems like they're a team that's very dependent on the track. Kind of wondering what types of tracks are they're good out there. Street circuit in Azerbaijan, of course, very high speed, 90 degree corners. This one, you know, also very high speed, but chicanes are a little more high speed, I'd say. And then you get some of the lower speed corners here in Canada. So, yeah, obviously not their track. We'll see what they have for Silverstone, see if they have any upgrades. I haven't heard anything about any upgrades for Alphatari, but yeah, we'll see what they end up doing. Alphatari, we move on to Aston Martin. And it, I mentioned this in the preview show. Where did that practice pace go for Aston Martin? It looked like they had the car set up beautifully and it just fell apart in qualifying. Both the cars out in Q1. Vettel shocked that they were out. Stroll complaining a lot too. Uh, you know, just a horrible weekend for them. Stroll able to fight back to get P10. Really good drive by him. Vettel tried to fight back. It was a really bad strategy by Aston Martin. They just couldn't put things together. They got kind of unlucky with the timing of the VSCs and the safety cars. So Vettel wasn't able to really have a legit chance at the points. I think he finished P12. So, yeah, struggle a little bit for Aston Martin there. And, and even they asked Lance Stroll after the race, and, you know, they had mentioned, you know, hey, good drive, Lance, P10, and, and he was just having none of it. He said, yeah, the car's just still so bad to drive. We're not really competitive. He said, yeah, it was a good result, but yeah, he was just very frustrated with the car. And another team, Aston Martin, going to their home race there, as many of these teams are in Silverstone. Hopefully they can find something to put together for these guys because, you know, Lance Stroll might not be having his best time of his career right now, but Sebastian Vettel has been consistently up there in qualifying and in the race and just putting that Aston Martin in places that it should never see, and he's been doing great this year. It's been fun to track his progress, even at, uh, you know, his age and the stage of his career that he's at. It, it, he's been really a valuable asset to that team in terms of helping them out. I'm sure developing the car, we know, Seb is basically another engineer, but yeah, we'll, we'll see where they can go. I don't expect them to be one of the teams like maybe an Alpine or an Alfa Romeo even that can kind of hop into that top 10 and pick up points here and there. It's going to seem, it's more of an uphill battle for Aston Martin at this moment, but still they're a team that I think can hang around that 10 to 15 range and, and pick up the pieces. And, and they should be given where they were last year and given kind of, the things that Lance Stroll is, or Lawrence Stroll, sorry, has said about the trajectory they want to be on, you know, they were kind of saying, you know, hey, if you want to win, we want to win championships maybe in the next four or five years. That's our trajectory. But it seems like they've taken a, a step backwards this year. And obviously the new regulations are a lot to deal with. Maybe there's, you know, their plan is still kind of coming along, but it doesn't seem like it at the moment. And uh, yeah, we'll see what Aston Martin has for the rest of the season and see what they have at Silverstone in their home race. And another team, that really struggled. Haas, oh my goodness. P5 and P6 in quali. Things are looking amazing for them. Mick, I, you know, he lost a few spots on the start. Still running well in the points. I think he was P8. And the car just dies on him. I mean, when is this guy's luck going to change? It's so, uh, it's so hard to watch because you just want him to get into the points once. It's kind of like the feeling I think a lot of us had for George Russell the past couple years where it's just, oh, those... It's going to come. You know, it's going to come. You know he's a good enough driver. Mick has just been so unlucky. And, and look, some of the incidents have been his fault. He's crashed out of some of the races. Not, you know, trying to absolve him of any blame. But 
this was one that Haas would have really wanted. And they, they almost, I think they needed. Had a good start in Bahrain. It's been really rocky for them since then. Kevin's picked up a couple points here and there. Mick obviously hasn't gotten into the points all year. But man, uh, Mick with a mechanical issue. And then Kevin, contact with Lewis Hamilton in the first lap. Kind of like what we saw in Spain, you know. Ruin both, or ruin Kevin's race more so than Lewis that day. But yeah, Kevin gets the black and orange flag for a piece of the front wing that was kind of hanging off. And, you know, I feel like we've seen a lot of times where cars have damaged front wings and they're able to go for, for a long time. Um, not in this case, though. You know, it, it was really hanging on. I think the team were probably hoping it would just fall off at some point. It just never did. It was kind of just hanging on there. And I, I think I don't disagree completely with what the stewards did. Obviously, if that piece is going to fall off, it's going to create a hazard on the track. Now you might have to use a VSC or someone might run over it that's right behind him. This was early in the race, so cars were pretty closely bunched up. Someone might run over it. I understand the concern. It just really sucks for Haas, you know, having to come in. That just destroyed his race. He went from, you know, middle of the top 10 to middle of the bottom 10 and, you know, P16, P17. So that sucked for Haas. Uh, you know, those opportunities don't come around very often. You know, you got to say... They were in the wet in the qualifying. They put two amazing laps in, and they beat a lot of cars that they probably definitely should have beat, shouldn't have beaten, and probably wouldn't have beaten on a dry track. So disappointing for Haas, but I think they, you know, nowhere to go but up. Nowhere to go but up. Hopefully, this you know I, they've had a lot of porpoising as well. Hopefully, this porpoising directive will help them a little bit. They can get some upgrades on the car. They got two capable drivers. Mick, you know, still trying to find his way. But K-Mag, a veteran, he scored points for them this year. He knows that team very well, obviously. And, uh, you know, hopefully they can get on top of things. And coming to our last team here, ugh, Williams. What more do you say about Williams? P13 for Albon, P16 for Latifi. Saw a meme going around on some Formula 1 circles, Formula Dank, even the subreddit. It was pretty funny. P16 streak for Latifi, still on. Mr. Consistency, just like George Russell. He's been P16 or above in every race he's finished this year. So shout out Nicholas Latifi not being last in every race this year. He's killing it out there. Definitely deserves that seat for an extra year. But yeah, Latifi's still not really anything to, you know, anything to look at. He's kind of just going around in circles, not really doing much. Um, obviously, rumors about... Oscar Piastri to Williams next year. I think that would bring a lot of excitement to the team. You'd hope the Derilton money means they don't really need the Latifi money anymore. They don't need that pay driver in the team. Hopefully they get Piastri in the car, somebody in the car to bring more excitement. Because I think Alex Albon has been a great addition post-George Russell. You know, George Russell was the golden child for Williams there and kind of writing on the wall for a few years knowing that this guy's much too good for us and he's probably going to get a top seat here pretty soon. So... I really like the addition of Alex Albon. I think he is kind of like Seb. He is just dragging that car to places it shouldn't be. I mean, you look at the race in Australia where he finishes P10. No chance he should have made those tires last as long as he did. I mean, just absolute legendary performance. Goes to Miami, gets to some more points. So he's been able to, you know, kind of extract everything he can out of that car. Latifi hasn't been able to. And Albon's first year in the car, Latifi's third now, and yeah, again, new regulations, so it's not the same car, not the same type of car, but you would expect Latifi, at least early this part in the season, you would expect him to have had the upper hand on Albon, it just really hasn't been the case, Albon's kind of had his number from the get-go, and he's been the only one to score points for him, so 
I think we're trending towards Latifi's last year in Formula One. Um, I would be surprised if he's back unless it's purely a pay driver thing. I, but I, I just can't see the reason to keep him over a guy like Piastri who's waiting in the wings. If that's the route that they want to go, you have to take it. So, oh, yeah, Williams. You'd want them to succeed. They're a historic team. They've been an F1 forever, but, man, ever since the mid 2010s, 2015-16, it's just been a real downhill spiral for Williams. And Yeah, one day they're going to get back. I don't, you know, none of this lasts forever. McLaren just five, six years ago was really down in the dumps. They weren't looking too hot, and, you know, last year they got a win. So things will change, but at the moment, nothing to really uh, get excited about if you're a Williams fan, sadly. So with that, I, I have covered all I want to cover. That's my notes and my thoughts on the Canadian GP, where all the teams stand as we move into the next round of the championship, uh, move into Silverstone. Silverstone's always a good race. It's a great track. Looking forward to that one, really. Tire temperatures skyrocket. We know Lewis Hamilton's tire issue that he had in Silverstone. Much different than Montreal. I believe we had the three softest compounds in Montreal looking to the three hardest compounds in the Pirelli range. And Silverstone, not only is it hot, but the super high-speed corners, the downforce, those tires, and the load those tires take, it's just a lot. So you never know what you're going to get there. Good track for overtaking. First time that these uh, these new cars are going to be there, so exciting to see how the following is there. That was usually one of the big issues with those long sweeping corners, just so much dirty air on those cars. So that should be pretty fun to see, and, and hopefully we get some better results there and some closer racing. But yeah, we'll go over all that in the Silverstone preview. So we'll have an episode out for you here before that race. Try to do one in between. You know, we have a week off here. We'll find something to talk about here. And uh, yeah. If you're, you know, and if you're a British racing racing fan out there, I know you got the Goodwood Festival of Speed coming up here pretty soon. That's always a fun, fun little event. Looking at all the different historical cars and new cars going up the the Goodwood Hill, so that's a fun event. Maybe, uh, you know, hold over your your F1 desires for the week and and help you find something to watch while F1 takes a break as they move to Silverstone. But yeah, that's it for the podcast this week. Again, please. Right there. Check out the socials. They're all linked down there. Trying to point in the right spot. Instagram at picking up rubber, at picking rubber on Twitter and on Twitch. At uh I guess not at, but picking up rubber on Twitch as well. So definitely very active on Twitter. You know, come give me a sh- you know, shout shout out and uh you know say what's up and I'd love to talk F one with you. Try to be more active on the other socials as I've said, you know. Uh, this isn't my this is my full time job, so trying my best. But uh yeah, I, I love talking to Everyone on socials making content and just talking about F1. It's my passion. So I'm going to keep doing it. And, uh, yeah, we'll be back with the next episode sometime next week. About a topic to be determined. And we'll see where we get there. And we'll see what we're talking about. But until then, thank you for listening. I've been Justin Russo. And we'll see you in the next episode.